Welcome to the latest installment of the Loose Filter Project, our new podcast here. We're talking with composer and DJ Mason Bates, who is in residence at California State University, Stanislaus Department of Music. And Mason, we're thrilled to have you with us this weekend. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, we thought we'd talk to you first uh, about your music uh, specifically and your ideas about music. Obviously, you have uh, a fairly unique uh, approach to a lot of what you write. You don't only write music that combines orchestral instruments with electronica, obviously, but uh, those are the pieces that seem to be generating the most interest for you. Uh, so I wonder if you could talk to us about that and your thoughts on your music and where you are with that. Sure, you know, it's it's one of the, the properties of classical music that it's a rarefied space and it's a fairly rarefied audience. It, it doesn't have to be that way. It just tends to be an acquired taste or at least that's the way that um, it tends to be perceived. And I guess I found myself attracted to electronica. Um, at first, on a purely musical basis, I found that the, the sonorities of electronica and the focus on a purely instrumental uh, texture that is without any kind of vocal line made it a lot more interesting and rich to me than a lot of the other things available in the, in the kind of pop spectrum. I think it's hard to even say that electronica initially fits into the pop spectrum. So that was the first thing that grabbed me about it, was the musical elements of it. But it's hard to, to deny that there's a very powerful contrast to that rarefied world of classical music. You go to a, a electronica venue, which tends to be fairly large and, and sort of an isolated location, like a club or maybe even a warehouse, and the people there obviously are a lot younger. The music is used in a completely different way. and. Um, I started getting interested in DJing. I found that it was just a very nice complement to that world of classical music. You had no performers to deal with, which in some ways is is a shame because dealing with performers is, is fantastic, but it's also uh, it's complicated. You also you, you know you're almost like a house organist in that you're providing this music that's a, sometimes background, sometimes foreground. Well, anyway, I got interested specifically to answer your question. I got interested in combining these two different kinds of music after I'd spent a long time doing both independently. Doing it separately. Oh. Exactly. I was, I was, you know, DJing in different places in San Francisco and then writing, you know, a piece for like the Phoenix Symphony uh, the next day. Um, and I finally got a commission from a group I felt like would be particularly interested in this kind of combination. It was the LA Philharmonic and, you know, perhaps more than, than any orchestra in the U.S. that seemed to be um, most interested in, in sort of new possibilities. So um, I, I wrote this piece on Nivers Furniture, which we're doing this weekend. And I found it to be a really rich possibility for me, the idea of, of bringing the beats of, of electronica into, into the concert hall. Obviously, you can't do it you know, without any kind of change in the model. It's not like it's an orchestration of electronica track. It really is some kind of like, you know, I don't want to, I mean, almost like a hybrid creature between those two worlds where you'll hear elements of even the American symphonic tradition, also elements of more recent concert music, um, you know, things from you know, the 1950s to the 21st century, certain, you know, currents, be it minimalism or, 
or spectrum music, but also you'll hear a lot of electronica. And so even though I really like to to work purely in an acoustic realm as well, I do find that the power of having electronics does make for something that is unique and it does draw a little more attention. one thing that, that really struck me about your music is I've heard other uh, pieces where I, Michael Morgan, you know, we were speaking before we started this podcast about the terrific work he does with the Oakland East Bay did a, a collaboration with DJ Spooky a couple years ago that it was cool to see Spooky perform because he's so good. I mean, he's so terrific he's and he's charismatic and he's amazing, but it really felt like it was sort of that conversation you have at family reunions with the cousin that you know but you don't really get along with but because your moms are there you're going to make nice and you know I mean exactly, it, yeah. it really felt like they, they, it was one of these things didn't fit with the other thing but with your music it's so seamlessly integrated I don't I feel like you let the acoustic the, the orchestra or whatever configuration of instruments you write for they do their own thing, and then the electronics and is integrated into that. Well, you know, I really appreciate you saying that. That's the big challenge, and you know, I have to say I haven't heard the piece that Spooky played on, but I, I have to say that a lot of times, um, I think there's this attraction in the in the classical world, particularly in the sort of classical administration world, the idea of having. Um, you know, like somebody doing a head spin and like scratching on turntables with an orchestra. You know, I think that it's hard to to take hip hop and 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 combine you know kind of a pure version of hip hop with the orchestra. That's why I, I prefer to look at electronica. If electronica is sort of the umbrella of all of the different kinds of subgenres, hip hop, drum and bass, house, whatever you name it, all included, I find that you have access to a lot more than just one particular realm. And I, I particularly find, as much as I love hip-hop and I spin hip-hop, there's a huge cultural difference. And that's not to say it can't be bridged, but the, you know, once you start doing a lot of scratching, for example, on turntables, um, you know, it, it starts to become extremely difficult to reconcile. So my setup, for example, in, in uh, this concert is more like a live electronica setup that you would see in, you know, like a European or, or American venue where somebody's making the music live as opposed to necessarily kind of playing uh, records within the orchestra. It's, it's a subtle distinction, but it, to me it's important because, you know, it, 
it has to integrate. And in order to really integrate, it, it has to be able to be, you know, played kind of within the ensemble. And I work really hard at finding a way that, that the electronics can integrate musically and also sonically, because that's difficult too. You mentioned something earlier that, that, that jogged my memory um, from your program note to the piece you wrote for the Juilliard School uh, for their 100th anniversary, Digital Loom, that you thought there was a strong connection between the role that an organist traditionally plays in a worship service in terms of sort of giving people emotional cues, so to speak, and which was directly analogous uh, to what a DJ does in a club setting. I wonder if you could talk about that. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I fortunately or unfortunately spent 13 years in an Episcopal boys' school in Virginia. Um, not necessarily the most diverse place. Um, no women, for example. Um, but obviously I spent a lot of time in the church. And um, I'll probably, you know, have some old pastors calling me up, asking me what the hell am I talking about, uh, comparing a, a DJ to an organist. But I do, I do stand by that. I think that it's it's remarkable that similarity. For one, when you walk into a church, you don't always see the organist. You know, the organist is somehow hidden. Often, sometimes even in the balcony, exactly yeah. behind you. you, you do see you know the elements of the organ. You might see some pipes, but I've always admired that kind of um, you know I want to say sort of insidious, but it, it, I don't mean that in a bad way. The element of the church organist that at once is kind of background. But at the same time, it's also sort of choreographing everything in its belly. I mean, you know, you've been through a communion when, you know, the, the organ is playing sort of a medley of, of the choral music that was sung. And in fact, you know, all the sort of piping of the, the organ sort of goes through the whole structure of the church. So it's a kind of fascinating uh, figure, the church organist. And I found that a DJ, in a way, to me is very similar, um, like you mentioned. I've never heard it put that way, but emotional cues is, is a good way of putting it. At once, you know, it seems like the DJ is, is, is background music. You go to a club or a venue, even an art gallery that has sort of club atmosphere at night, and it seems like background music. People are having conversations or people are looking at other things on the wall and they're not necessarily 100% focused on the DJ, who, like the organist, might be kind of like put in some funny spot in a corner somewhere or even up above. But on the other hand, it's very much the foreground in the sense that, you know, the music is often loud enough that you actually feel it, and it's undeniably an important part of, of the evening. So, yeah, I, I think that it's, you know, it's certainly this interesting role that, that, you know, of music in a space and of and how that musician interacts with that space. Which is a little bit different from... Uh just it seems like the, the, the nature of your music itself is a little bit different from traditional concert music in that it, it's more engaging, I think, rather than, you know, say you go and you to the San Francisco Symphony and, you, and you're listening to a Beethoven symphony and you're just, I mean, conventionalism has it, you're just supposed to sit there and take it. Whereas, and that's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and it, you know, it's right, and don't clap when you want to. And that's, you can only clap at socially acceptable times, which is obviously the opposite of what sort of the culture at large wants to do. I mean, look at what happens in a dance club. Right. I mean, that's all people do is move to. And yeah, and so I think your music kind of it, it brings a lot of that uh, that that club kind of experience into music that that is normally that doesn't normally doesn't normally have. Yeah. Well, it's it's a, it's an interesting point. It's ultimately a space of concert music. 
And so, yeah. and the thing is, is that um, what I really like is is the possibility, of, like you said, of sort of changing the space a little bit. I mean, nobody's mm. going to be like breakdancing in the aisles. But, <laughs> right. You know, the, the piece is constructed with the knowledge that, you know, there's a seated audience watching it. And so, what does that mean musically? Well, it's probably going to be denser, you know, because mm. if, you, if you just sort of play a piece of electronica and you sit in a chair and look at the DJ, you know, that's really not the ideal space. You generally, it's, it's first of all, a much larger time frame. But in a concert hall, when you got you know fifteen minute piece or seventeen minute piece, um, you know suddenly things are more compressed. So, a nearest furniture, um, it, it sort of puts a little more or even a lot more information into a smaller space, and also um, it has quite a bit of, of kind of cutting and splicing, and mm-hmm. and you know um, there's, there's even a technique in, in electronic called breakbeat, where you sort of allegedly break the beat, where you cut from one kind of beats the next and I'm not saying that's a perfectly neat analogy to the piece but it is true and um, you probably experienced in rehearsal that you know there, there are lots of little snippets of, of music and material popping in at this mm-hmm. time and the next and so it's a bit of a negotiation is the short story you know the space is is not a club but I would love to at least um, you know bring in some of the musical aspects of that in the hope that maybe the, the focus changes a little bit how how has uh, your music been received, especially since you've you've started combining these two worlds? What has been your from from either direction? I mean, you know, what's your sense of how people respond to your ideas about this? Well, you know, one thing is that despite the the enormous ocean of difference between classical music and electronica, I mean, you don't even really need to point out all the, the obvious differences. Um, there actually are some important similarities, and I never really realized them or thought about them until after I was kind of uh, deep in the mix of them. But for one, as I mentioned earlier, you know, they're both instrumental genres. I mean, in the sense, not necessarily using instruments and electronica, but there's no vocalist. Right, they're symphonic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, when you take away a vocal line, the music has to kind of fill that gap in a way, because... I mean, I love vocal music. I love Bob Dylan. When you listen to Bob Dylan's song, the lyrics and the vocal line are an important part of the experience. So suddenly things like texture and harmony and rhythm become a little more intricate uh, in, in electronica. And I found that people in that world are pretty curious. I mean, they're pretty curious and they are very curious about the symphony and, and orchestral instruments. And a lot of them, like unfortunately a lot of people in, in the country, Will, will feel like they just don't know anything about classical music and they're a little intimidated. But if, if there's a piece on the program that, that maybe combines a little bit of an element that they're familiar with and they ultimately get into the concert hall to check out that event, suddenly I think even, even the other pieces on the program that have nothing to do with electronica are, are pieces that, that they suddenly can listen to because I think their ears are primed in a certain way. So I found that um, the electronica crew is, is very... Um, is very amenable to checking out my music because there's there's a bit of not only something that they understand but also there's that el- other element that they're curious about. The classical audiences is funny. I mean, you know, in a way, thinking about you know when you're writing a piece, you really can't get too caught up thinking about how the audience will appreciate it. But I did sort of think, well, uh, you know, I might um, I might get some 
some kind of tomatoes thrown at me for having <laughs> speakers on the <laughs> concert hall stage. Or holy water, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, my priest from Virginia comes back. <laughs> He's back. But, um, in fact, I, I think the thing that, uh, that makes a, a good percentage of people who, who hear the music uh, not react that way is that I have a, a pretty deep background in writing for instruments and writing for orchestras, and I, I don't really have any interest in, like, you know, like you said, sort of having two, you know, far-off cousins have some kind of, like, uh, rambling conversation that doesn't go anywhere. I want it to be integrated. And so the fact that, you know, when I was a kid, I was, uh, I mean, I, I definitely had a normal childhood. I'm not saying a prodigy, but I was lucky at 16 to write an orchestral piece for a youth orchestra in, in the Midwest, and, and that experience and a lot of the orchestral work that I did after that made me pretty aware of how the orchestra works. And I would say that if you want to add electronics to your music, first thing you should do is, is learn how to write for instruments, because, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to combine them. And I found that, in particular, what's been really meaningful to me is how the musicians who are in these different groups who've played things have lightened up a lot over the process of the rehearsal. You know, when you show up at an orchestral rehearsal with anything other than an acoustic instrument, even like an extension cord, uh, people look at you pretty <laughs> askance, and already you're on your you're on their uh, blacklist because you're a composer. They don't like you anyway. But I found that once we have the first couple of rehearsals, they start to understand that oh, okay, uh, there's there's a knowledge here about how the orchestra works, and the electronica fits into that in a hopefully organic way. So it's it's been positive and honestly uh, that's meant a lot to me because I you know, when I first got into combining the two I obviously had a little bit of trepidation about how it might work. 